Unashamed, the recovery podcast. And hello, recovery family. Welcome to a new season and another episode of the Unashamed Recovery Podcast, where it is okay to not be okay. I'm your host, Josh, an addict celebrating recovery from a 20-year porn and sex addiction. And new this season is my good friend and co-host, Drew. Hey, Unashamed family. Uh, I'm Drew. I uh, I celebrate in uh, recovery, and um, I deal with a uh, a 17-year life of addiction, uh, life struggles, uh, living a life of insanity as well. On today's episode, we once again bring you a true story of redemption and hope in overcoming addiction. At the center of what the Unashamed Recovery Podcast is all about is breaking the shame and the stigma of addiction and recovery one episode at a time. And we are breaking that barrier by having honest and real conversations with real people and real recovery, by being unashamed and telling our stories, shining our light of freedom for those still trapped in the darkness. These stories feature people who have faced a lifelong battle of addiction or hurts and habits and hangups, and they've hit rock bottom. They've overcame that hell of addiction, and they have found lasting sobriety whatever that may look like for them. These stories are raw and unfiltered, but most importantly, they are real to show others that we do recover and that there is hope and that there is life outside of addiction. Now, these stories may contain adult language and adult content and may be a trigger. To keep these stories as real and true in nature as we can, we don't edit or cut anything out. Uh, We honor those who are willing to share by telling their whole story, even the dark parts, the ugly parts of it. Uh, So viewer discretion is advised. Recovery fam, it is a proven fact that we heal once the shame is gone. And shame dies when we share our story in a safe place. And I hope that this podcast is a safe place for all, for those who are breaking their anonymity and breaking their shame by sharing and also a safe place for everyone listening. There is healing in sharing our secrets and our stories of addiction, our trials, our failures, and and all of our powerlessness, and even more healing in hearing how others have recovered. So, without further delay, let's meet today's guest. And our guest today is not really a guest at all. Uh, Our guest today is actually our co-host, Drew. And when we got into this, talking about this episode, we realized, hey, not many people of our listeners know about Drew's story. So we figured what better way than to kickstart this season by telling Drew's story. Uh, Most of our long-term listeners may remember Drew coming on episode four, I think, and talking about relapse. And that really wasn't Drew's story. It was just Drew giving his overall experience with relapse. And so today, we're going to get Drew's story. And I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Uh, But hey, before we get started in this, Drew, tell everybody just a little bit of your backstory. Tell them a little bit about who you are. All right. So everybody, I'm Drew. I, you know, I come from a, a, a pretty nice family. Um, everything was pretty legit me growing up. You know, my childhood was, I can't really complain about my childhood. Uh, there's certain aspects that, you know, that were rough. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, I've uh, been to college. Uh, you know, I work uh, a pretty good, decent job right now. Uh, you know, but I, before all that started, uh, you know, it was um, a life of turmoil. Um uh, a lot of distrust, uh, me trying to figure out where I belonged in life. Um, you know, it's just a lot of, there was a lot of, uh, degradation, I guess, uh, so to speak. And it was just, just a lot of, uh, you know, me trying to figure out who I am. Uh, and that's where a lot of this, the roads took me uh, as far as the addiction goes and stuff like that. Uh, it was just me trying to figure out me. 
you know, but in the in that sense, also got lost even further trying to figure out who I was due to the fact that I was just steadily, you know, um, living the life of uh, what, you know, you've heard me say it a thousand times of insanity. Uh, but, you know, all the same, you know, I have three uh, beautiful kids, uh, you know, it's just life is right now. I'm probably living my best life, but that came uh, at the end of something, you know, that was uh, something terrible, uh, so to speak. But, you know, from ashes you can make beauty you know and that's just one of those that's one of those things that uh you know that sit in my brain right now is the fact that you know it was uh i burned it all down but you know god gave me another chance there so but that's awesome yeah that's a little bit about me uh you know played sports growing up you know i was uh a part of the cool crowd i guess is how you would want to put that but you know uh a partier and all that kind of stuff but now you know um man i'm a dad you know, I, uh, I, uh, I try to do everything that I can to help other people. Um, I'm a leader and I do, um, teen recovery, uh, do adult recovery as far as helping people out there. And then, you know, I'm working on becoming a life coach as well, uh, which I hope that we can tie that into this show. So, Most uh, you know, but, um, that's just a little bit about me. Um, of course we're about to dig, 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 uh, with the dig shovel. <laughs> we're going on. Well, what we like to call in the biz, we're about to unpack that story. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Lord but, uh, have mercy. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, though, uh, and everybody, with Drew's story, if uh, if you relate to anything that Drew talks about, hey, put in the comments about whatever Drew is talking about of how you can relate to his story. Maybe you've gone through something similar. Uh, maybe you have a question that you want to ask Drew. We, and ask those questions. Yeah, ask. We read every single comment in the comment section of our YouTube channel. So ask those questions. If something piques your interest in Drew's story, ask away. And so, Drew, as we dig on in and start unpacking your story, what is chapter one? What does that chapter one look like for you? Like every everybody's story, everybody's book has that starting point. So what is chapter one for you? It would either be uh, before the fall or the beginning of the fall. Beginning of the fall. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, the fall to rock bottom, you know, uh, when we're when we're talking about that. It's just one of those things, man, you know, um, you don't realize it's happening. It's like a car with, uh, with no brakes. You go as fast as you can. <laughs> next thing you know, it's just uh, you pump the brakes and they're not there. And then, boom, you crash. Uh, and you can't look away. Oh, man. <laughs> It's like that slow motion. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's the first chapter is what I would I would say that was. You know, um a lot of this started uh as far as the, like the self worth and all that kind of uh thing that you know, I still battle some of these things today, uh which, you know, when we're talking about addiction and recovery processes it's a never ending battle. You know, and that's one thing that people always uh, think is there's an end game to it, but there's never an end game. Uh, it's just one of those things that you're just going to have to get a rap on and understand yeah. it. The more you understand it, the easier the battle becomes. You know, it's just one of those kind of situations. But, um, so, yeah, first first chapter. <laughs> first so, chapter would be, you know, the beginning of the fall uh, to, to rock bottom. So, in that chapter... Go ahead and start off and tell us where that chapter starts at for you. Like, go ahead and start walking us through that early part of your story. Right. All right. So, I was uh, born at a very early age. <laughs> I love doing that to people because people, you know, when I, when I do talk about my story, people, you know, it's people always they they they're so serious you know and they yes. but and that's okay it's okay to be serious i mean it's something to take serious it's not lighthearted but at the same time um i want people to understand that when you start to tell your story it's a thing of joy not a thing where you feel like you have to steadily be downtrodden about right. it but either way it goes i was born at a very early age <laughs> like i said uh, <laughs> but you know um i was born in uh december uh, two days after christmas so the birthday's coming up soon you know, you're not getting anything from me. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> no, sorry. I'm going to get you the same thing I got you last year. <laughs> Switches in cold. <laughs> Nothing. 
hearts for yep, you, Josh. That's right. But um, yeah. So I was born at a very early age. Uh, you know, uh, two days after Christmas, but. The thing about my childbirth, it was a little bit different. Um, you know, some people might relate to this or not. You know, um, I was given up for adoption. You know, um, I never know. I never met my birth mother. I don't know who she is. I don't know my birth father. I don't know who he is. Uh, you know, that was one of those things that uh, really sit heavy on my in my chest or used to sit heavy on my chest. The more I understand about life now, of course, uh, the more I understand that I was given one of the best opportunities. But during the time of living in that um, that confused state, uh, you know, it was more of those things where I just kept causing myself, harm, you know, self harm at that point. Uh, I was never really wanting to face the issue of, um, you know, uh, that I was blessed, you know, yeah. uh, I just kept it at, um, well, you know, nobody wants me, nobody wants me around, you know, so therefore the self-worth thing would start a long time ago. So I, I saw a post that you had put up not too long ago. Matter of fact, um, uh, it was, a Let's not talk about the band-aids, you know, the addictions. Let's talk about the bullet holes. That was a major bullet hole, and I didn't even realize it until I started doing the steps and stuff like that, until I started really digging in to who I was. Yeah. You know, that that thing had, you know, that me being adopted uh, and not having a, what you would call a normal life, uh, which it was normal. It just wasn't normal in retrospect to, yeah. uh, you know... And it was just crazy how I found out. But either way it goes, um, my dad worked a lot. Um, so he was he was in and out of the house. Uh, not saying that he was kicked out or anything like that. He was just a busy guy. Yeah. Uh, he was around for my childhood. But at the same time, he was always working. Uh, work took precedent over uh, family sometimes. And that's just, that's, I, I get it. Uh, he, he provided us a very, you know, healthy life. Uh, my mom was the uh, the main caretaker, and she still spoils me to this day. <laughs> Big old baby. <laughs> so, so I'm I'm gonna go on a, a guess here and just say, Mama's boy. Maybe. Ain't no shame in that. Hey, you didn't have to call me out though. Hey, ain't no shame in that. I'll just go ahead and put it on out there. I'm a mama's boy too. Yes, I love I'm, my mama. I am definitely and, uh, a mama's boy. Hey, I'm the only child, so like, hey. Big mama's boy. Oh, man. So you had it easy. Yeah. I have two sisters. Yeah. So one older, one younger. I was a middle child and the only boy. So, the, uh, if yeah. If you can only imagine. Yeah. Right? Nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, with having this, uh, this, uh, this mom home figure that was kind of, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take anything away from your dad. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, your dad's a, a great guy. But your mom was kind of that central home figure because your dad was working so much. How did that play into home life at such a an early age? Um, you know, eventually you start to feel like, you know, when you get into your teen years, you start to feel like you're the man of the house. And so your dad, when he comes there and he's like, oh, you do this, you really, uh, you have a disregard for his authority at that point in time. So, uh, that was a, a, there was a lot of lashing out back and forth there, but, yeah. Um, a lot of that lashing out really did kind of start whenever he would come home or he would be there. Uh, not to say that he was gone every night. I mean, he would just take trips and, you know, he'd gone for weeks or gone for a week here and there, yeah. uh, doing his best to provide. But whenever he would come back, you know, it'd be one of those things where he would want to lay down the law, his law. So, uh, and another thing about it, he really didn't use the L word a lot. You know, when we're talking about love and family and all that kind of stuff, it wasn't really exemplified in our house. Um, it was mentioned, but it was never shown through physical touch or anything like that. Uh, so it was, uh, but it wasn't absent. You knew, yeah. but it was like an understood thing. Uh, but at the same time, for somebody like me, uh, I need the affirmation of it. You know what I mean? I understand like, that. Eh, it'd be, show me, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, it was shown, but it just wasn't frequently shown. Um you know, my childhood, like I said, it was good. It was a, it was good as far as like we were afforded to do all the things that you ever wanted to do as a kid. Yeah. But at the same time, like, were they using, were they supplementing money for love at that point in time? So you just have yeah. to, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things you kind of have to, you know, you try to figure out. But, you know, over time now we've talked about it and, you, you know, that was kind of like their parents didn't show them that affection that, you know, that yeah. you would long for as a kid, you know, but we build these ideals 
off of what we see either on TV shows, movies, and from yeah. other families and stuff like that. People we see at school. Yeah, yeah. That's and that was a big, big part of it. You know, these kids yeah. at school were like, oh, yeah, man, me and my dad were going fishing. We're going to do this. And, you know, my dad would always be working. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of like, well, dad, can we go fishing? You know, yeah. he, he wouldn't want to go fishing or anything like that. But, you know, there were times. There were times. Um, but... You know, sometimes it's easier to remember the bad, especially yeah. uh, the uh, um, the lifestyle or lifestyle that I chose. Well, but and you know, when we're in our addiction, we're looking for people to blame other than ourselves. And so oh yeah, it's easy for us to take this stuck out, so it's easy for me to blame this person for right. this because it doesn't put the blame on me. So. It kind of goes like that, but so we've we've identified this childhood where you know of wanting that love. You know, you were put up for adoption. You had a, a dad who was there, but he was at work. You were wanting that affirmation, and so hey, this is a addiction and recovery podcast. And people who are on here, they just struggle with addiction. So. Let's get to the good stuff. How did that lead in? And dun, 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 we all know it's coming. You struggled with an addiction. So how did right. that lead in to your addiction? All right. So um, my childhood, you know, the, what really led into it throughout my childhood was the fact that I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. Uh, you know, when you hear at 12 years old that you're adopted after you think, you know, for your entire life up till then, you know, that uh, those are your parents, you know, the, were your parents. But when the ten, time came time to play football, it was, uh, that was when everything changed because, you know, I had to get, you know, papers signed about my family medical history and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And they took me to the side and they're like, well, son, let me tell you something. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, they dropped a bomb. And so after they dropped this bomb, you know, it was just kind of like, all right, so where do I really fit in in life? You know, mm-hmm. obviously these aren't my parents. These these aren't anybody. I don't know these people. These yeah. people have literally lied to me at this point. My whole life is a lie. Yeah. I'm just trying to play football and here this is. Yeah. I mean, that was literally <laughs> it. You know, I was trying to fit in somewhere else. I was yeah. trying to get on a team here. You know, and like I said, I played sports my entire life, but it wasn't ever a thing whenever you're playing recreational. That's right. But when you get to high school and they need to know for high school physicals and all that kind of stuff, because as a, as a youth, they're just letting you go out there and play. Yeah. You know, but when they need started, the physical time started, you know, they needed a family medical history and I had to shoot a paper. And I was like, how come you guys won't sign this? You know, like, what's yeah. the deal? And then finally it was just like, all right, well, you're you're adopted. Whoa! So this, wait a minute. This huge bomb has oh, been man. dropped on Drew's life, and everything that you have ever known has now just come apart at the seams. Yeah, and everything is a lie, and it's just—I imagine that's overwhelming. Very, very overwhelming. Um, so I, uh, at that point, I started hanging out with kids that, uh. You know, I, I went to a private school in elementary. Like I said, I was afforded a lot of a lot of yeah. fine living, uh, so to speak. I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. But uh, whenever it was time to go to public school, that's when things started to change. Um, I started hanging around kids um, that were less favorable um, to hang hang out with. Groups that were going to parties, drinking, and all that kind of stuff. So I ended up, uh, you know, um, dabbling in alcohol, uh, cigarettes. Um, you know. Um, not quite to the marijuana use at that point in time, but it was mainly alcohol, cigarette smoking and stuff like that. But then um, my grades started to slip, you know, in middle school. But then, you know, I brought them back up, of course, yeah. because uh, uh, that was the kid I was. I was the smart kid, but um, the behavioral issues, especially after I found out I was adopted because I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. Yeah. You, you can't tell me what to do because you're not my mom and dad. Yeah. You know, that was really hurtful. But that's when... Um, you know, the, the abuse started between me and my, you know, my dad, uh, a lot of people, I mean, he's a nice guy. Don't get me wrong. He's, he, he means well. Uh, and I understand that, but there is some things that, uh, probably should never happen to somebody that's trying to understand who they are. Not even just that there's kids that shouldn't have to live through it. I, my anger, uh, today, it resembles exactly the, 
or it mirrors what he used to do. Yeah. Um, in, in the same retrospect. But, you know, I've gotten a rap on that due to, you know, being in Celebrate Recovery, working steps, working on me, figuring out, once again, who I am and why these things happen. Um, who, what, where, why type of situations. But um, I can remember one time I'm sitting there talking to my dad, or actually I was sitting there doing homework, uh, and then he, you know, he comes in, he's like, turn the TV off to do homework. Me being an ADHD kid, I had to have some background noise or I'd literally lose it, you know. Um, and they started me on Ritalin at that time, but that's a whole different ball game. <laughs> that's we're, a whole different yeah, story. Yeah, we're about to talk about that. For <laughs> just, We're going to give a brevity on that. But um, uh, the thing about it with my dad, though, he walks in and he's like, turn the radio off. I'm just like, Dad, I... I really need the radio to be on. Well, turn the TV off. I was like, really though? The more noise, the more I'm concentrating. There's no way he didn't understand it. Yeah. You know, but through the fact that he used to have these anger issues and lash out, you know, and the finally I was just like, dude, I'm not turning it off. He flips the table over, you know, on on top of me, drinks everything. My homework's ruined at this point. Starts slapping me up a little bit, you know, and then, um, which that started happening on any occasion that he used to get pissed off. Um, not even just pissed off. I mean, it, you could smart off, and you know, at 12 years old, you're going to have a, a, a somewhat smart attitude or smart alecky attitude. Uh, and that's just what the way it was. You know, I'd say, he'd say something, if I mumbled something under my breath, smack. The only time they ever, when he really started to stop doing this, he raised his hand one time and I jumped. You know, and he was, he, I guess he noticed it. Um, but I, not to say that was the last time. That was just one of the times where he was starting to realize that his his behavior was uh, detrimental um, to my upbringing, yeah, so to speak. Uh, but we ended up um, having a knockdown drag out. Um, I tried to gouge his eye out. I remember that. But you know that was just going into me having no regard for human life anymore. You know that was just showing me that I was starting to deal with some issues. Now that I look back on it, you know. Um, so, after that, like I said, partying started um, around the same time because I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. They, they, you know, they tried to set rules and guidelines, and I didn't want to follow not a single one of them. Well, of course, you're, yeah. I mean, juvenile, and you think that you're, hey, the rules don't apply to me. I know what's best. Well, at that point, you know, it became I'm by myself. You know, yeah. Um, even at school. I noticed that people started to get in these cliques and stuff like that. I didn't fit in any one of those. I was more the person that was just floating by the seat of the pants, flying by by the seat of the pants. Yeah. You know, it was never like you belong to this group or you can be with this group or you can be with that group. One problem was is the fact that I was, um, how do I put this with that? You know, um, you know, with politics the way it is now, it's crazy. But I was too white to hang around the black kids because of the way I spoke uh, and the way that I dressed. And then for the white kids, I was too black, you know, so I didn't fit in anywhere in either group. Uh, But then, like I said, sports started, things started to change. You know, I grew up in an all-white neighborhood, um, and so it was more common for me to be around the white kids because that's what I knew uh, as, you know, growing up. Into you know until adolescence, but it became one of those things where you know you get called Uncle Tom, you get called the N word for hanging out with the white kids, or you know it was just when you were hanging out with the white kids, and you know there's a lot of things that I dealt with in that that aspect. Um, more so often than not, uh, you know, at 12 years old, 13 years old, you should never have to hear these things. Yeah, that's right. Um, you shouldn't have to uh, hear that the color of your skin or the way that you speak or the way that you talk or the way that you act it could literally exclude you from certain groups, activities, uh, friends or anything like that. So um, that's when I really started to latch on to um, the group that was smoking pot, uh, the group that was out there drinking alcohol. Um, man, I got so drunk one night I en- ended up eating a whole box of milk bones thinking they were uh, Cheez-Its. That's how drunk I was. Um yeah it was ridiculous to say the least i like to tell that part because you know i because it's all serious but then you know of course there's some comical things that happen whenever you're in these states but i mean i was a seventh grader 
well, actually, seventh, seventh grade going in eighth grade, um, drunk, you know, like, what am I doing drinking alcohol, you know, but uh, that was the beginning. Yeah. That was the start. Um, because I started to fit in because I was doing what other kids were doing. Or I was doing what um, other people were doing at that point in time. Uh, it was just, you could see where these people really started to circle around. I was, all of a sudden, he's a cool guy. Yeah, you know, um, and you were sitting here looking for this place to belong. Yeah, you know, hey, you know, you found it, you're adopted, and you know, you're not fitting in with the black kids, and you're not fitting in with the white kids, and you're just looking for this place to belong. And hey, you found it. Yeah, I did, I did, and I hit it. You know, it's crazy. That was the one thing I had was this place where I belong, but I could hide it. I had, it's like um, uh, what is that movie? Um. Imagination Emporium or uh, something, something to that nature. Uh, I can't remember I can't, exactly the oh, name of it, but he has this big imagination, and that's where he hides in. Uh, and that's exactly what it was. I imagine that this was probably the best group to be around because they were fun, they were funny, yeah. uh, they accepted me for who I was. It didn't matter about skin tone or all that. Um, not to say that these were the best kids to hang around, but these were the kids who had open arms at this yeah. point. Um, I remember... Um, you know, hanging out with them, getting drunk at night, saying, you know, oh, well, I'm going to stay up sitting to this house. You know, you know, the whole little uh, oh, yeah. little kid thing we used to do back then. But then it got to the point to where it was uh, it was becoming very taxing to do so. Uh, it was all right. So now we're going to go drink uh, and then get into high school at this point. Steadily drinking in high school. Nobody really knows that you're getting drunk. Nobody knows you're smoking all these cigarettes. And if they did, they weren't saying anything because my parents didn't know how to address anything that pertains to addiction. And that is a big part of um, why it was so easy to manipulate them is because they didn't understand it. Yeah. So, talking about high school, we get to high school and then the drugs changed. Uh, the groups changed. The cliques changed. Um, you know, the jocks hung out with the jocks, you know, the chillers hung out with the chillers, but me, I was still the guy that was floating around everywhere. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it became by choice, um, at this point, because I already knew that I could hang out with one group for so long and then they would grow tired of being around me or the fact that somebody in that group is going to backstab me or something like that. Yeah. So I was doing self-protect mode and I would literally shy away from them. Um, but then it got to the point where I was starting to try to latch on to some of these groups and they, exactly what I thought would happen would happen, you know, whether it be something I was manifesting, wishful thinking, or, uh, you know, just what I was already used to was starting to happen. So I went back to hanging out with a group that was drinking, smoking pot, um, snorting cocaine and doing all this other stuff. Yeah. Uh, I never really took it as far as cocaine in high school. Um, that, that comes later. Uh, but, you know, smoking pot started. Uh, the first night I ended up uh, smoking pot was out of one of those little Coke can bongs, man. It was crazy. That was probably the dumbest thing I ever did. With the holes poked Yeah, you poked the holes <laughs> in. You got the hole on the side, you know. And Man, I think I, I died. I thought I died that night. I choked so much. You know, but um, the, the realness of that night um, was the fact that first night I smoked pot, I had three best friends die, or I say best friends, three friends that I highly acquainted myself with, or that I highly attached myself to. Uh, they were, you know, athletes. Um, they ended up uh, wrecking on J.O. Thomas Road. Um, you know, I'm not going to put names out there yeah. because, I, you know, that's just to protect them. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, at the same time, man, they hit a pole, the transformer came down, uh, the truck caught on fire. Mm. Uh you know, I ended up going to the party where they were supposed to be at and looking for one of them, you know, and sitting there trying to talk. And you know how you are. You look for your certain people. That's right. Uh, and then someone was like, oh, man, they went on a beer run, you know. Uh, they didn't make it back from that beer run. But we ended up finding, you know, where they wrecked at. And when we get there, they got three body bags laid out on the side of the road. You know, that was the craziest thing in the smell, man. That things It still sits in my nose a little bit. I was probably... You know, just going back to memories of it, that it, it, seeing that, seeing the truck um, and the smell, man, like burnt metal flesh um, and all that, that's, 
that's tough. Yeah. You know, I was 14 when they died. Yeah. 14. You know, and that's just, you. that's when you're still digging. And so now I'm starting to deal with people dying. I'm lost already. Searching for your place. Don't know where I belong. Find out I'm adopted, you know. Um, you know, the thing about the adoption is the, this one question even sits with me today sometimes if I think on it too much. Uh, you know, I, matter of fact, I journaled about it the other day. Why wasn't I good enough? You know, that that makes sense. Yeah. Is that, you know, you think to yourself, what was it about me that wasn't good enough for my mom to keep me, you know, or what was it that, what was it she saw already or she knew uh, where she was, where it was so easy to give up. You know what I'm saying? And then, and so when I think about it even further into like, even the situation with my dad, like, why was it so easy for you to like go hands on? You know, like, what is it about me that made it so easy? You know, well, you but, know I want to interject just for a second yeah. right there because there's probably people out there that can relate to what you're asking. Yeah. Some people that have been in a situation that's traumatic and it's, Put them asking that question, why me? Like, why? And uh, maybe you've been in a marriage where your spouse has been unfaithful. And you say, why? Like, why wasn't I good enough? And it pertains, it's all this, this having an affair with your spouse and your parents giving it for the adoption. Two completely different events, but it's all that, why wasn't I good enough? And the answer to that is, had nothing to do with you. Yeah. If your your spouse cheats on you, has nothing to do with you. You are good enough. That blame is on them. It was something that was going on that your parents were dealing with. It was something that your spouse is dealing with internally. It's something that's that's them. It's them. It's everything is on them. You are not guilty in that situation. There's nothing that you could have done to prevent any of it. Right. And it's all something that they are going through. I so mean, don't ever feel like you're less. Right. Or why was I good enough? It has nothing to do with you. So don't feel guilty. Like that has, like you have zero, you have zero, uh, man, I can't think of the word I'm looking for. Like you didn't have any participation in it. Like that has no blame on you whatsoever. Well, I mean, I couldn't have had participation. I was born. It was. Well, I'm just saying. I know what you mean. I trust me. You know, and that that's something that I've really come to grips with is the fact that you know it had nothing to do with me. There was a whole different ball game of a situation going on at that point. But needless to say, you know, um, and then even you know, people are like, "Well, you don't want to know who she is." You know, this is kind of reverting back. I know we just hit on something that was heavy a minute ago, but I just want to, since we kind of interjected right there. Um, but, you know, going back into that and thinking about that, you know, there could have been a situation she had going on as far as like, and then now she's embarrassed about it, that, the yeah. fact that she had to give a child up. But, you know, I appreciate her giving me the chance of life. Yeah. I will say that. That's one thing I will say. Um, but like I said, man, uh, whenever I was dealing with the addiction or, you know, whenever I was living in the act of addiction, uh, that one thing would sit on my mind so heavy, got to get high. I got to numb it, you yeah. know, but, um, back to the, the, the friends dying. I know we can, we're, I feel like we're hopping around a little bit, <laughs> but hey. that's, that's how you already know how I talk. Yep. So I literally will be dead on and then rabbit trail, then come back <laughs> rabbit trail again. So, but yeah, um, when the friends died, that was heavy, 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 heavy. You know, that was some more people that had left. Yeah. You know, um, without question. So at this point, you know, um, mom's gone. Me and my dad are pretty much, you know, far as far apart as to being gone. Uh, my mom's main staple still there. Uh, my relationship with my sisters, my older sister, she left, you know, she was 12 years older than me. So she moved out and went to Houston uh, and we didn't really have much of a relationship after that. But 
I know, I remember when she was there, she took me everywhere. Everywhere she went, I was, you know, yeah. you know I was the tag-along brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? That annoying tag-along brother. And I remember driving, she would she would take me yeah, any, everywhere she went. <laughs> Drew's got to go. You know. Uh, That's but, funny. Oh, man, it was it was fun, you know. But uh, then all of a sudden, that stopped. Yeah. You know, because she moved. You know, she graduated high school, she left. You know, and uh, my dad... That that was the heaviest part is because he had just really given up on me, you know, and that's something that you really wouldn't expect, but it happened. Um, now, these friends, you know, the friends that I was, I would, I kind of clung to, uh, some of the people that I started drinking alcohol with and everything else, they're gone. You know, of course, there's this, you know, big group of athletes and everything like that, and they're, you know, they, the clique or so to speak, if you want to call it that, that you could go, like like I said, I bounced around. Yeah. But I hung around them, uh, you know, after the death and all that kind of stuff, but weed smoking became a very, 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 very big part of my life at that point uh, because I was dealing with pain that I didn't want to feel. And so there's this new thing that they introduced, and it was marijuana. So I was just like, hey, I like this, you know, yeah. because I didn't have to feel sad anymore. I didn't have to feel... Uh, anxious. I didn't have to feel um, hurt. The pain. I didn't. It was just totally like, all right. So we're gonna go. We're gonna go get high, and I'm gonna go eat up everything in sight, and everything's funny. You know what I'm saying? It was all. head on my mind was already altered at this point to thinking, all right. Well, so this is fun. This is fun. This is okay. Yeah. You know. Um, so we um, stayed a major part of my life for years, years on end after that, but. Um, to go ahead in the story a little bit, to go, keep further and on. After they died, um, you know, I had a class with this girl. Her name was Ashley. You know, we we hit it off great. You know, Ashley was amazing, amazing person. Um, thing about it is, so we ended up dating. Um, you know, I was real promiscuous and throughout my my high school time. We <laughs> talk about all that. <laughs> Some of school time. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Josh. <laughs> I can't say nothing. Hey, well, hey. yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, but yeah, I was, I was pretty promiscuous uh, all the way up until this point. This was like, you know, and I, I met Ashley, and it was just kind of like, all right, this chick is cool, you know. Uh, matter of fact, we had accounting together. Uh, class was so boring, so I just, I kept picking on this girl in front of me. You know, and then, you know, finally we had a deep conversation, you know, she was, we just talked all the time and she, uh, she talked about God a lot. Um, something I wasn't used to. Mm-hmm. Um, she talked about, you know, just living your best life kind of situations, but she was a girl before her time. You know, if you want to talk about it like that, like the, the YOLO, but live for God at the same time. Um, she talked about a number of like. Um, Bible stories, uh, you know, how to, you know, incorporate God into your life and all that kind of stuff. You know, she was talking about these things, uh, stuff that you don't really hear much, you know, from people in high school. Yeah. You know, and I was mesmerized. I was like, oh, tell me more. You know, so we ended up dating. We dated for about a year. Then, of course, I screwed up uh, because high school, uh, I was went back to being the it guy, you know, um, and that's one thing about me is uh, I became real popular real quick uh, due to the fact that I threw one of the the biggest knockdown drag out parties uh, <laughs> this side of the East Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, um, so my first party, new to high school. Uh, well, I say new. I was probably about a sophomore at this point. This is right around the same time I met Ashley. But uh, through this party, man, it was probably had to be like fifteen hundred kids. Jeez, I am not kidding. I am not kidding. I never ever. There was kids from all like all the schools, Whew. all the schools. My parents were home. I did not care, and they Man. literally had the sheriff riding up and down the road for any car that left that that yard. <laughs> Blue lights. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So it, this party was. I'm talking about cranked up it was just it was yeah it was it was insane 
insane. So you you throw this big party, you're the it guy, and Ashley don't want anything to do with you. Nope. She didn't want anything to do with me at this point. Uh, I was I, I partied too hard. Yeah. You know. Uh, but then we ended up um, we ended up trying to uh, trying to date uh, even further after that. You know, I told her I was going to calm down. Of course, I didn't calm down. Uh, that was one of those uh, manipulative tricks that you know us addicts yep. uh, that we use to get our way. Uh, so she figured it out pretty quickly, you know, and she was just like, you know what, I'm done. She ended up dating the neighbor down the street. Oh, yeah, one of the kids I grew up with. She ends up dating, but hurt. I was so I'm mad. I was so mad. So this was another person that you know saw my antics or saw saw who I was, so to speak, yeah. and was just like, you know what? No, I'm good. Now, the thing about it is she stayed in contact, though. Uh, you know, she stayed making making sure that I was uh, uh, okay. Yeah. You know, um, she would still talk about God and stuff like that, especially after the friends died in the wreck. You know, that was right. Like I said, all this is it's still so grouped together, uh, all, the, all the stuff that ended up happening. But... Either way it goes, so we, you know, um, she ends up dating the, the neighbor down the road. We're still talking, having conversation, you know, and eventually uh, she leads me to FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, and so me being a part of FCA, I ended up becoming a leader in FCA. But the thing about me being a leader in FCA, I was still smoking pot and still drinking alcohol. But I was hiding it because it was my own little world yeah. that I had this bubble around. And I think I'm... I'm you know, nobody can see this. You know what I'm saying? Nobody knows except for the people that I party yeah. with. It's high school. Everybody knows. Everybody. Because, just because I'm keeping the secret within my own mind does not mean that everybody else don't know. But here I am. Hey, man, that was a good party you threw out. I, I didn't. What party? You know what I'm saying? Bro, I was there. What party? Yeah. <laughs> you know? so I'm sitting there literally trying to get these people to understand it was not me shut up <laughs> you know but like I said my parents were at home so I mean it's not like I was hiding I'm yeah. hiding anything from anybody but you know um, but when we're in addiction oh man we're in denial the, oh dude. and we don't want to admit that and we want to we're we're good at acting like that's not us yeah oh yeah we're good at like I said, we're good at shifting that blame to somebody else, and we're squeaky clean. We're we're okay, right? It's not that bad. Well, it's the mask. Everybody wants to wear the mask, especially you know those people that are in active addiction. I mean, it's that mask wearing though. It becomes exhausting. Yes. It's tiring. Yes. Uh, but you know, um, the craziest part about it is, is like I was so manipulative. It's so manipulative. I could literally ask my mom for 20 bucks. She'd give me 60 bucks just to get me to shut up and go on about my business. Like, she, you know, and then at one point I was like, you know, I would never been an addict if you would have just stopped giving me money. But I was manipulating her too. Give me the money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it, it, I can look back on it now. And then yeah. so like, uh, and then she'll, she, we've had conversations about this and I was just like, you remember that time that you gave me that <laughs> And she was like, yeah, what'd you do with it? You know, cause everything's yeah. all honest Abe now. And so uh, I can't lie to her. So yeah. we'll get to talking about something and she's just like, I knew it. I knew it. Well, so I want to stop because this is your story, but that really brought back a memory for me. Like I, I've never, I've never struggled with an alcohol addiction or anything like that. Right. But when I was in high school, I was the drinker. Right. And I, my parents were strict. I was raised in a uh, Southern Mississippi Pentecostal church, very strict home life. And I remember one night coming home at around midnight and I was drunk, like, just no hiding it. Like I was drunk. And my mom had waited up. And I walked in like nothing was wrong. Like I walked in that door like I just got home from the library. And I thought for the longest time that I'd pull one over on her. There's no way she knew. No way. She knew. Oh, yeah. There was no way oh, she yeah. didn't know. Oh, yeah. But, man, I thought she didn't know. I thought I pulled a fast <laughs> one on her. I'm smart and mom is slow. Right. 
But here I am, I'm walking and stumbling around, dropping car keys. But the whole time you're yes. like you you're doing the whole balancing on the tightrope walk, and you think you you got it, you know. I didn't fall not one time. It ain't about to fall, the boss. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, yeah, man. so so let's go on into the, more into to your story here. And so so you know, Ashley has done left you. And so, I know there's a lot in that area of your life. Right. Uh, I know there's a lot of hurt associated with that. So, where does that part of your story go next? All right. So, Ashley and I, um, we ended up getting back together. Um, You know, it was like a year later. Uh, We ended up getting back together. And we ended up having marine biology together. Uh, she, she said, basically, as close as we're sitting right now, uh, you know, one day she just leans over at me and she starts, has this big, big grin on her face. And I'm just like, what do you want now? You know, I was like, just because you broke up with the neighbor does not mean she was like, but it's inevitable. <laughs> I mean, just leans over just like that. And I'm just at this big cheesy grin on her face. And I'm just like, what does that word even mean? You know, this is, you know, in high school, I'm just like, I don't even know what that means. She was like, look it up. I was, just, I was like, I don't even know how to spell it. She said, it starts with an I, go look it up. You know, and I was just like, uh, okay. So I go look it up and, you know, it's one of those things where it's meant to happen. Yeah. And, you know, and so I come back to her and I was like, so you think we're meant to happen? Is that what you think? And I was like, eh, I'm not so sure. You dated my neighbor. She was like, you know, then, you know, kind of break going, let's get past that part. But yeah. We so we ended up dating um, three or four months heavy, you know. Um, it was one of those things where I left every everything alone. Um, I stopped drinking. I stopped uh, partying as much. You know, it was just you know me and her type of situation. But uh, I ended up um, talking to one of the ex girlfriends out in the parking lot. You know, just a friendly conversation. Hey, how you doing? Hope everything's well. Type of situation. She got ultra pissed and the. the the girlfriend, the ex-girlfriend's boyfriend, he didn't like it either. So we ended up having a fight um, in the parking lot. He ended up breaking my nose because he sucker punched me. Uh, yeah, sure did. I was putting my book bag in the car. Next thing you know, crack. You know, he came down on the nose. But, um, of course, uh, I had to go for an emergency surgery uh, because he crushed, he basically crushed my um my, my my nose at that point. Jeez. Yeah, he hit me pretty hard. They think he hit me with something. I didn't see it. Damn. You know, like I said, I was putting the book bag in the car, turn around, and, you know, it was one of those things. Um, But the reason why that's relevant is because that put me on the couch for, like, a week, you know, before I could ever go back to school due to the fact of the medication they put me on. Lower tabs, they probably shouldn't have never done that. Um, <laughs> which they wouldn't have. Um... But then, you know, Ashley and I still hadn't seen each other since all this has happened. She yeah. was mad about me talking to the ex-girlfriend, hearing about the fight, made it even worse. You know, um, because that's how I spent the entirety of my childhood, adolescent, and uh, up until this point, was fighting. You know, uh, if somebody said something wrong, I was going to earn my respect. Yeah. You know, uh, I was accustomed to fighting a whole bunch. But, you know, in this situation, you know... I, when I got sucker punched, it'd probably been a bigger fight. But either way it goes. Um, so I ended up on the couch. You know, she came by. She, she we talked for a while, uh, kiss and made up type of situation. Uh, but um, had I known that'd be the last time I, I'd, I'd see her, I'd have probably had a lot more to say. You know. Um, we talked about a lot of stuff in that moment, you know, um, from where I was sitting on the couch discussing it with her, and just the the fight and everything like that, and what she meant to me. And it was just like if I'd have known that was going to be the last time. Uh, but so she ends up going out with a, a group of friends. You know, she was like, "Well, I'm going to go hang out with my friends." You can't get off the couch. I'm just like, "All right, that's cool." You know, so she goes, hangs out with these friends, and next thing you know. Um, I say next thing you know, I end up waking up to somebody banging on the side, you know, the door, uh, and it's one of my good friends, and I'm looking at him in the face, I'm like, what's up, dude, 
he starts crying. And I immediately knew something was wrong. I'm just like, ah, uh, what's up? Yeah. You know, um, he says, dude, it's Ashley. I was like, okay, what she do now? You know what I'm saying? Because she was always, you know, doing something silly. Um, sweet girl, but silly. You know, kids. Man, the look in his face, he didn't... He didn't smile. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't crack a joke. You know, and that's what I'm used to is a joke being cracked. Anything. He literally looks at me and goes, "She's dead." I was like, even, even now, you know, I've dealt with it time and time again. I've told the story. Yeah. A number, but it still hurts. You know, it's just what the one of those times where you wish you could say a lot more. You know. Um, Death ain't easy, you know, uh, and when you feel like it's the love of your life, it makes it that much, that much harder. Yeah. But so, um, that was, that was the beginning of the end for me, um, of normalcy end. After that, my life went, it took a dark, 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 dark turn. You know, I asked my dad, I was just like, so dad, I mean, like, why, would, you know, here we go with why again, you know, why would God take her away from me? I didn't even get a chance to say bye. I didn't even get a chance to tell her I loved her or any of that, you know, but it turned out and it was just, he says, oh, well, son, you know, death's a part of life. You know, I'm thinking, man, God, you're such a jerk, dude. Like, yeah. is that all, that's all you have to say about it. That's all you got. You're such a jerk. You know, and then of course I start blaming him. I'm blaming God for everything. I've literally turned my back on everybody. Um, I stopped going to class. I didn't even get to walk for graduation because I ended up cussing the teacher out. You know, um, you should be over this stuff by now. Over what? Yeah. Man. How do you expect me to be over this in a matter of days? You know what I'm saying? Like this happened April 7, 2001. Graduation was a month away. You know, I literally stopped going to class. I didn't even take another test. I didn't do anything. You know, I, I, that's one of those, it was one of those moments where how do you deal with somebody in that deep of depression? You know, because that's exactly what it was. But they didn't have, you know, it was so, such a non-talked about issue back then. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Mental health period was not talked about back then. Now, they were quick to put some money on Ritalin for ADHD, but they were starting early drug addicts by doing so. But either way it goes, I told you I'd say something about that. But I got to make lighthearted of, of something because I'm going to end up balling here in a minute because that, I'm telling you, it still it still stings. Yeah. And it should. Like, it's just... It's just you, one of those things. Yeah. You know, it, there's... The healing started, you know, uh, when the recovery started on that because I held on to that for so long. You know, I blamed myself for that. You know, uh, and so with that, you you started going down in that dark hole after that, and I I don't even want to try to imagine because I've never been in that situation. But like, you started going in that dark hole, and I imagine what you were once doing like the alcohol and the weed i imagine that stuff just was no longer doing it for you no. like what what was your response to that hurt um physical lash out was number one um in response to that i started fighting a lot more uh the alcohol use became extreme uh it didn't matter how much i drank i just wanted to be drunk uh, marijuana use was pretty much non-existent because I started filtering in other things. Um, let's see, lower tabs, like I said, uh, Xanax is completely, you know, uh, if you remember Sean, you would hear me chime in and say animalistic instincts. I know all too well. <laughs> um, that started, uh, cocaine use started. Uh, I figured out that was my drug of choice. Um, at that point, uh, meth use started, um, I, you know, I just, I didn't want to deal with anything. Yeah. So the higher I could get, the more I could get, you know, um, psychedelics started. Uh, when I talk about psychedelics, acid, uh, mushrooms, all that kind of stuff. That became a prevalent part of my life. And uh, I think it's important to mention 
at that time period here in Mississippi, like meth was just starting yeah. to come into the picture and it was starting to hit hard. Yep. And so a lot of people was jumping on that bandwagon as kind of sort of say and was getting hooked left and yeah. right and, and on yeah. the map. And uh that's a whole nother ball game. Like that's you you're graduating from from alcohol and some weed into some hardcore stuff. Oh yeah. Um it was a stay up a week. Yeah. You know, weeks at a time. Uh, and then you don't know, like, I didn't understand the parameters of it, you know. Um, I'm seeing all these other kids that are, you know, they're overdosing and all this other stuff. They're, you know, shooting up. And I'm just like, eh, I'll never shoot up. I'll never be that guy. You know, I'm not that type of addict, you know. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, I'm not an addict at all. I just like the drugs because I ain't got to feel nothing. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was that was it for me. Yeah. You know, but um, then it became even more grueling. Uh, so it started to really trickle down and have an effect in my life in other ways. Uh, you know, I almost fell out of my first year of college due to the fact that I was staying up for weeks. Yeah. Weeks. Uh, you know, it, you'd think it would make me uh, a better student, uh, but it helped me stay drunker longer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I got to the point where I was literally, all right, so if I got too drunk, it was uh, coke to sober up. Now, if I was too high, you know, if I was speeding, then it was alcohol to slow it down. Man. Or Xanaxes. So, I got to the point at one, there was one point in time during all this craziness uh, that I was home from school. And uh, I'm driving around. Uh, matter of fact, it was uh, the one year anniversary of Ashley's death. You know, so I was pouring it on heavy at this point. And I'm sitting out there with a group of friends. We're out in some pasture in Sicilina. Um, yeah. Out in Sicilina. Good old time. But, uh, you know, we were sitting out there, we're drinking. Uh, you know, I'd, I've probably taken at least what, you know, in Xanax is, uh, they were called footballs. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So I've taken at least five of these things, not even realizing I've taken five because I forgot that I took the other ones because I was already barred out or I was already <laughs> Xanaxed out at this point. So I was, I was, I was in there. Yeah. You know, um, been drinking like a six pack of alcohol at that point, but you know, steadily taking shots of whiskey and all this other stuff. So I've literally passed out in the car, driver's seat. Uh, at this point, I wake up early morning because they were still doing the ground, crank the car, and decided I was gonna leave because I felt fine. Yeah, I was not fine. I was probably at the worst state that I'd ever been in, but just because I'd had that little bit of a nap, I, and it wasn't. It wasn't like I laid back and was like, oh, you're going to take me a little rest. No, this was more on the lines of, you know, I was out. I was out of it, out. I was in a whole other existence, another plane. Uh, so, well, it was the song, I feel like I'm out of my body. <laughs> you know, that's that was pretty much it. So I get get in the car and I'm going down the road. Uh, you know, I made it through every every turn. Every turn, <laughs> all the turns. I for some odd, I, I still can't remember the trip itself, but I made it through all that, you know, uh, because I've gone back out there and I've yeah. gone driven from the pasture to, you know, just kind of taking the same same yeah. route. Uh, but I get to the straightaway, and all of a sudden I pass out in the straightaway. Maybe it's because I got, you know, I didn't have to concentrate as hard. Yeah. So uh, I pass out in the straightaway and drive the car dead off as twelve foot drop off. Whew. Yeah, um, I hit so hard that it stopped my heart. Uh, the airbag ended up hitting me and throwing me up into the sunroof. Uh, and so when it threw me up into the sunroof, that's that double impact kind of ended up like it stopped my heart. Man. Uh, so they had to bring me back by CPR. Um, I think in a moment of shock, I even called my parents. I was like, I'm in the water and hung up the phone. You know, they were like, so they, they were searching for like, a couple of hours, my dad said at one point, he was like, yeah, we were searching for you. All you said was you were in the water and then we didn't hear anything else from you. Like, so I, and then I remember waking up to somebody pumping on my chest and I'm just like, <clears throat> they were like, he's alive. He's alive. Man. The sheriff comes over there and he's like, uh, so I'm gonna have to take you downtown. This is after, you know, I get checked out. You know, I'm just going downtown. I was like, why am I going downtown? After you've been brought back a lot. Yep. A lot. <laughs> yep. So, uh, 
I can't blame him though. Yeah. You know, um, so I ended up going downtown for a uh, DUI, DUI other. Um, yeah, that was the the mini start to uh, my. I think I count I counted it at one point in time. So 158 arrests. Yeah. And that concludes part one of Shell the Man. Yes, you heard that correctly. Part one. You didn't think that Drew was going to get his whole life story in in just one episode, did you? So come back Monday, January the 4th for part two of Shell the Man, Drew's story. Drew, you have anything else you want to say? All right, then. We will see you later, Recovery Fam. And with that, y'all, that's all the time we have for today. We hope that today's episode has shined some ray of hope and encouragement for you. We hope that it inspired you to not give up and that you, too, can have a life outside of addiction and can have lasting sobriety. Recovery fam, don't forget that you can always join us for more recovery conversations on Twitter. Find us at Unashamed Recovery and also use the hashtag Recovery Posse to connect with thousands and thousands of others in the Twitter recovery community worldwide. Do you want to be on the show to share your amazing story with listeners from around the world like our guest today did? Or maybe simply you want to tell us how we're doing. Or do you have any suggestions or questions uh, for me for the show? Send the show an email at unashamedpodcast at yahoo.com. That's unashamedpodcast at yahoo.com. Thank you for your continued support of the podcast, and I hope hope you all continue to stay sober. And until next time, we love you, and y'all remember to be unashamed. unashamed.